here's the problem with having a lot of spreadsheets is I did some research on this on a spreadsheet. Oh, okay. Do I know which tab of which spreadsheet it's on? A new. So you've run some numbers. I did. Good, good, good. Uh, there isn't. Let's, let's say right now I'm minorly confident that I run some numbers. <laughs> Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we give you the tools to repair your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. You think I could just pre-record this instead of having to read it every single episode? <laughs> I it, mean, that's... it wouldn't be nearly as entertaining. Yeah, it wouldn't be nearly as good. But yeah, a smart person would probably do that. Uh, I just realized we need a the world's largest bottle opener over here. <laughs> okay, go will, get I'll that? drop headphones and yeah. get the opener. Stand Perfect. By. So uh, this is the Economist here, and today we're drinking. Persephone Mocha Porter in collaboration with Denman Island Chocolate and Salt Spring Coffee. Don't Ooh. hurt yourself with this opener. Well, go ahead. I'll, I'll read the blurb here. Oh, here comes the electronic <laughs> napkin. <laughs> I haven't spilled beer on the computer in weeks. God. <laughs> so Persephone is partnering with other B Corps and like-minded folks to brew the change we wish to see in the world and the beer we wish to drink. This porter blends the luxurious flavor of Denman Island chocolate with Salt Spring Coffee's bold, aromatic canopy bird and village trade roast. A light bitterness and a full malt body make this ale a quaffable celebration of the finer things in life. Chocolate, coffee, beer, and community. Nice. Sounds awesome. We haven't done a lot of uh, porters dark beers on the show, have we? No, we haven't. Not yet, no. I do like it. So this is a... uh, I do like porters. Introduce a yourself. Charity brew. Yeah. Hello, it's uh, Money Mechanic with you again this evening. I'm the accountant. I just start talking. <laughs> what did you do with the bottle opener? It's hard to lose it. There it is. <laughs> Could also be a murder weapon and clue. Uh, yeah. It's defensive. <laughs> it's definitely a clue weapon. <laughs> I tried to use that when we were playing Monopoly one time, but they didn't like it because I landed on eight properties at once. <laughs> yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> at least you landed on the one you wanted. Mm-hmm. Well, cheers. Cheers. No major useful tool this week, but since we were put on the spot with our lack of preparation, I thought of a real quick useful tool. It's the BC Ale Trail. Oh, yeah. They have a nice website. It's BC, as in British Columbia, bcaletrail.ca. And we talk a lot about British Columbia beers, and I'm sure when people head out here on vacation, they might want some information of where the breweries are and what beers to find. So there you go. I was on the Ale Trail this weekend. Nice. Yeah. Like literally on the trail or you were on the website? No, I was at a few breweries that are on the trail. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, Persephone. What do you think? It's, it's a tasty it's porter. Good, yeah. There's that uh, radio silence. Yeah. We oh, love. where we're not all supposed to drink at once. Yeah. Well, well, when we get down to the YouTube episodes, everyone will just see the, 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 the porter beer mustache that we have. That's right. It's one. a nice frothy beer. It's quite strong. It is. So but it's, it's a six point one. Okay, it's yeah. not overpowering though with the chocolate, like a lot of the dark chocolate porters are. Like it's got a more subtle. You know, I prefer some of the chocolate porters. I find um, the coffee porters are good, but I find you get the coffee bitterness in there sometimes. Right. And for some people, I think they love that. Sure, you know, if they're right. real coffee connoisseurs, they yeah. love that part of it. Like if you had the the Phillips, um, I don't think it's a uh, porter though; it's a stout, the double chocolate stout. Maybe it is a porter. Anyway, it no. It's yeah, it's got a lot more uh, chocolate in the background. Did you hear about when the Scotsman and I tried to brew a chocolate coconut porter? I think we <laughs> no. Tried. Did we not try it, or it never made it that far? <laughs> yeah, well, we went back to the uh, planning table. 
Yeah, that seems about right. Brew round two. His his smelt like it was um, Malibu rum. It had so much coconut. coconut <laughs> <laughs> did, did you use Malibu rum? No, we use like a coconut. That would be a fortified extract. beer, right? Yeah, yeah that <laughs> definitely would definitely would. be a fortified beer. <laughs> okay, so tonight on the show, we're tackling the rent versus the, buy debate. The great debate. Yeah. Rent versus Sounds buy. Sounds like fun. Yeah, I'm. I guess I'm the moderator. We See, you assume that me and the economist are going to disagree. Well, I, I'm only because the economist is a renter, and I've heard him say, "I'm never buying a home," and uh -huh. I know that you have a home that you live in. I mean, maybe I'm the guy that's the buy because I don't house hack. You right. do, yeah. yeah. So you're picking. You're going to pick on me. I'm <laughs> absolutely <laughs> going to pick on you. All right. Well, give a give us a little overview of how you think this episode should go, and and. I think the important part is thinking it from the FI perspective, as we always try and do. Right. Well, I mean, there's the time value of money, right? You're taking rent, and a lot of people see rent as just throwing away money and not getting anything from it. Right. So, the common view is that, well, you should buy a house because then you're not just throwing away rent. But people don't factor in that houses have upkeep, houses have property taxes, houses have a whole bunch of additional costs that go along with home ownership that are above rent. And maybe the biggest one is lifestyle inflation. Lifestyle inflation is a huge one. And I mean, the other factor is think of how much interest you're paying on your mortgage. Right. I mean, I know one day, 25 years down the road, you'll be mortgage free, but is that enough of a gain to make possibly missing out on investing worthwhile. Yeah. Well, then I'll have a house to live in and it won't cost me any money. That's not true. Oh, really? What about your property taxes? Well, I won't have to pay any rent or mortgage though. What about the opportunity cost of the money that's tied up in your house? Yeah, people don't like to think about that. No. <laughs> no. Well, and what about... <laughs> well, I'll just sell it. That's, yeah. I'll just sell it. That's fine. But then you're renting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then you've paid all this interest... Well, I mean, I'm, it's, I find it hard to argue with you because I tend to agree. I got to turn off this BC Ale Trail website, though. They just keep pouring beer in front of me. I'm getting distracted. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, Yeah, I, th I think, well, this is why it's a difficult discussion to have from our perspective because the traditional view of it, of, of what is the advice given to people is don't throw away your money on rent, buy a house, you'll be mortgage-free in 25 years and you're good. You won't have that payment anymore. But the problem is people get to 25 years later, they've got, they've built up equity in their house, but it's unusable. It's an unusable asset. Yeah. Right. It's not and paying it's them not, any cash it's flow. It's not liquid. No. And it's yeah. not liquid. Right. So yeah, traditional thing is you buy a house, but so because of the cost of housing now and the amount we need for down payments and things like that, we don't end up saving enough in other forms of investments on top of the house. So especially with high home costs. Yeah, exactly, right? So if from the F well, FI2 is what if you plan to be uh okay, fire, let's just go right with the acronym right. in 15 years. Yeah. So does that mean you got to save up your 25 times your expenses plus you got to pay off a mortgage in 15 years? Or I do you mean, even, or do you even care about paying off the mortgage in the 15 years? Are you could you consider yourself FI with a mortgage? Absolutely. If you if, have enough passive income, sure. If you have enough passive yeah. income, you just factor it in as an expense. Right. Yes. I mean, people been, can be FI renting. Oh, totally. Right? So that's- oh, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. very similar. So it's just factoring in those expenses. And yeah. I think it's more of a 
people need to look at the rent versus buy and actually look at the numbers because it's going to change location to location. Right. That's a really good point. I mean, we're talking to a very broad audience. Wait, wait, here. wait. You, it's personal. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is going to be a personal finance stuff again. Oh, oh, I thought this was going to be general finance. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think you make a good point across Canada. There's going to be some very distinct regional differences and, most people in Canada are aware of resource towns in their province that housing market is not strong anymore. Yeah, right. So there's a, there's a lot more risk in housing than people first attribute to quote-unquote real estate. Well, and I think so many people have seen what's happened in Vancouver and Toronto and Victoria in the last five to ten years. And, of course, real estate looks great. Yeah. Everything's gone up. Right. And everything's gone bonkers. Yeah. But that's not the norm. No. And – there's a bit of a misconception too, and I, I wish I could attribute this quote, real estate ha is the best performing asset class over the last century. But that doesn't mean that buying a home to live in right. is the best performing asset class in the last century. Exactly. They're taking into industrial, commercial, mixed use, real estate from all over the globe. Yeah. You're talking a big, big- Multifamily. Yeah, exactly. Like owning and getting passive income from renting is- Right, I. You, you know what I'm trying to say. Right? You mentioned earlier that I've said I'm never buying a home. Right, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm not buying property. Mm -hmm. right? right. Okay, smart. So expand on that. Well, it's just what you said. When I make my decision where I want to live, I want the freedom to be able to move, and I want a relatively efficient uh, living space rather than a bloated lifestyle inflation-driven living space. So, will you be purchasing to have rentals within it, or will you continue renting and purchase property to generate rent? I'm just missing what you're saying there. Yeah, no, where I will rent my principal residence. Okay, yeah. that. But you intend to have property ownership that generates income. Absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. smart, right? That's where money is in real estate. Yeah. Well, and that's, I always look at it as... If you have a principal residence and it's paid off, even though, yes, you don't have a rent cost, it still costs you money. You Absolutely. Have upkeep, right. totally. You have property taxes. But if you have income coming in from that and, property. And the opportunity cost. And the yeah. opportunity cost of all that tied up capital. So that's where I only, I mean, we know that I have two houses. And even in my principal residence, I have a suite. Yeah. It pays my mortgage. Yeah. That's what the whole, I've found a way to live for free. Right. And I don't have to pay my mortgage. So that's where I think home ownership can be incredibly beneficial is if you start house hacking. Absolutely. But to just go out and buy a McMansion, yeah. you're, that's not a path to FI. No, not at all. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think in Canada, even the downsizing, unless you're in a much smaller market, but what are you going to downsize to in Vancouver? Yeah, you'd have to I'm going to downsize right? to a two-bedroom condo an hour outside of the city for $700,000. Yeah. Like, that, that's – it's still not – it's still, I don't think, reasonable. No. Because I ran the numbers on if you make – if you buy a $700,000 property, your mortgage payment's going to be about twenty six thirty three a month. You're going to have, I'm roughly saying, 2600 bucks a year in property taxes. That's – 216 bucks a month, call it 120 bucks a month in insurance, 
another hundred bucks a month for water and sewer. I'm not including cable or hydro because you'd have to pay those anyway, right. even if you're renting. And at least another 300 bucks in repairs and maintenance. So you're at $3,300, $3,400. And in Victoria, $700,000 house is going to get you a two-bedroom teardown slash put 150 k into it. Right. So the rent on that is going to be maybe 2,400 bucks a month. So you're losing out on 900 bucks a month that you could invest. Right. Not to mention the 153 grand you'd need for your $140,000 down payment, your property transfer tax and your closing costs. Yep. Yeah. So I worked it out that even if you buy a $700,000 house and it goes up 3% per year for 25 years and you pay it off in the 25 years, you're sitting on about $1.4, $1.5 million worth of property. Right. But if you take that same 153 grand and put the extra 900 bucks a month into the market and you get 7% growth, you're at 1.6 million. Right. And if Did you, get, you subtract the rent cost out of that? Well, you've got yeah, that in there. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's built in there. And then if you get 8.7%, which is, we all know the average of the S&P for the past before 100 taxes, years before yeah. taxes, you're at like 2.3 million. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, so we can definitely go on a, a, a totally different tangent on this and, and talk about the emotion of home ownership. Right. Yes. I think the math pretty much speaks for itself. The biggest problem is, do people have the discipline to take that nine hundred dollars and that's a whole another stay question. the course and stay invested? And I think the FI community does. Right. I think if anybody, we, we do, can we do. We hope it. so. Right. Right. So I think this is a more compelling argument for this community than it is for the the greater the larger population. Right. That right. doesn't have such a dedicated mindset towards saving and investing. But th- I also think if it's an emotional choice from the de- decision of you're somebody who really wants to own your own home yeah. and own a home, find a home with additional accommodation. Mm-hmm. Have that home have some form of paying you. Yeah. So at least if worst case scenario, you get it paid off and it covers maintenance and property taxes. Right. Well, now you're truly living for free. Except for the opportunity cost. Except for the opportunity <laughs> cost. A good reference that I found was a YouTube video by Ben Felix, who's we all know is um, also on the Rational Minder, and he's portfolio manager at PW Capital. It's a good YouTube video. It really walks through this rent versus buy. And what I liked about it is, is he's kind of introduced this. He calls it the five percent rule. Okay. Okay. So that's exactly what the accountant just talked about. And these are the unrecoverable costs for an owner of a property. Right. And as you mentioned, it's going to be your taxes, your maintenance costs, and your cost of capital. So he's kind of done a little bit. You did some good math in your example there. He's just taken it down to a little bit of a percentage number. 5% that's of the purchase price per five year. Per year. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That. So that's like back of the napkin math yeah. that you can do to kind of go, okay, that 700K house is, what's the math on it? Quick, quick, anybody? 5%. 5%? 35. 35,000 divided yeah. by 12. I was going to let him sweat. Why didn't you just stare <laughs> it's at It's like $2,970 a month, okay? <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's your rent comparison for that. What was in your example? Your mortgage cost was 26 or something? 26, yeah. Plus. Plus, plus. Plus, plus, plus. So, we're pretty close to the 5% rule there. Yeah. Right? So, the 5% rule includes your mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, but it but it factors in that opportunity cost, maintenance cost, tax, right. et cetera. So, yeah. I think he's done a good job and I like, I really like the video. Um, there's lots of discussion out there about that. 
but too many people because what do we hear from banks from real estate agents from lawyers from our family this is a, it's a yeah. it's a thing that's what i heard from the government up. from the government too right yeah absolutely well, i always heard at- don't rent you're throwing away your money that was like and you're like oh i gotta buy a house you know how hard it is to save 20 percent of a down payment these days it's really hard for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Really hard. And the one counter argument that I've heard thrown out is, well, rents generally go up over time, mm-hmm. which is right. true. And we've seen huge rent increases lately in the region. But while rents go up over time, your wage is also likely going to go up over time. Yeah. So rent's just, it's just a way of, you're actually putting inflation to a number. To a number. Yeah. Yeah. So, and your opportunity cost of owning your home tends to go up at the same pace as rent. Yeah. Because the rents go up because property values go up. And no question, all the things you have to repair on your house and buy are going up as well. And this is where I think the beauty of home ownership can be if you have rentals is if I buy something today, I have locked in what my mortgage is at. Yeah. And as rents increase, if you bought a property well in a good area and rents do increase, hypothetically, you get a cash flowing property and it continues to cash flow more and more over time. Yeah. Assuming that you don't live in some area with a terrible government who destroys (laughs) your property taxes going through the roof. I mean, (laughs) not pointing any fingers. (laughs) Purpose-built rentals are less expensive than homes. Yes. Right? Because the person's building it is building it for a purpose to house a person. Whereas if you're in your home, you're, you're building it to your taste Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to stop yourself from doing that. I think. Yeah. Well, customization type thing, right. You know, you're now you're referring back to, to lifestyle and face. It's like, Hey, let's redo the backyard. Let's build a deck. Yeah. Let's do this. It's, you can drop some big money real fast. And you know, if you're renting and you want a deck, you, move <laughs> right and may you know you're not going to pay that much more for a similar house with a deck yeah well i think that that's interesting that you bring that up right because just move well it's not that easy to just move right? i haven't moved in a decade yeah i mean <laughs> that's the the thing is like re- occupancy rates are historically pretty low right now especially in right. the bigger centers of canada so it just move isn't that simple what if you have like the experience we had we wanted a dog but we couldn't have one because most rentals won't allow you to have a dog. Right. Yeah. Right. It's lifestyle inflation, 100%. I don't For sure. disagree with that. But, we, you know, we weren't planning but on you, having. But you value having a dog. Yeah. So you're willing to pay more to, for a place. It's a premium, right? right? And it's what if you, you know, we we always miss the point of having kids, right? There's a lot of people that, well, I want to have kids. So the condo isn't isn't going to suffice. Right. I want a swing a swing set in the you, backyard. You can rent houses. I know. But you know, and what I'm getting at is this all comes back to the emotional yeah. part of home ownership. But I will also say that the beauty of renting is that you don't a lot of people will go out and be like, Well, I want to have a dog and a kid someday. So they go buy a three bedroom, two bathroom home that's eighteen hundred square feet and it's just the two of them for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And they spend 10 years living in a house that because they wanted to buy what their future needs would be now, they've overpaid for 10 years whereas they could have been renting a one or a two bedroom apartment and then moved into renting a three or a four bedroom house to suit their family needs as their family grows. That's a great point. And then on the downward slope of that, they stay in the house longer. Yeah. Because they have an emotional attachment to it. Yeah, where they could have downsized earlier and... Right. Now, 
on the flip side, when you have a family, children, owning does provide some stability in your living situation. You're never going to get rent evicted from a house you own. Yeah. That is right. another big factor. And a lot of people choose specifically where they're living for the quality of life that's there, whether it's the neighborhood, the schools, yeah. the community, you know, things like that are very valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, and there is value in that. Yeah. But I think and too many people are just attacking it blindly and not thinking about what is this actually costing me. One thing that I'd like to see more people do is tackle or, or go about renting when they're younger with the intention of coming up with as much money as they'd need to own a home every right. month. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I've talked to people, you know, at work and whatever that are paying their rent and kind of just scratching to save for that down payment. And it's like, well, if you, can't afford that extra 5% on your rent every month to put aside completely for house costs, then should you be owning a house? Right. And I guess for those people, maybe the argument is almost stronger for them to own a house because that's they're going to, is going to force, force them, them to save. Home okay, ownership guess, is just yeah. a forced saving program. Yeah, I know. I hear that, but yeah. I guess it is in a way forces you to make that payment every month. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But this is why you oh. want additional accommodation on your property <laughs> that will pay you. So, well, we all know, uh, we've all heard of Millennial Revolution. And they, if you want to read about the anti-ownership of houses. Rant, are are rant. we going to have any media that's pro-home ownership <laughs> in the show notes? I, I don't think we are, are we? <laughs> you know what? I... But I, th I think it's pretty easy to find pro home ownership, because but it comes it's from mainstream. Main, it's mainstream. Yeah, it all comes from mainstream. That's why I think it's interesting from this FI angle that the majority of stuff that comes up is do the math. The math wins. Right. Right. Unless I I think the fastest path to FI is to house hack. I don't think there's any faster way to get yourself well, to it, FI. It's your. It's the number one expense everyone has, yeah, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. So if you can yeah. eliminate the number one expense yeah. pretty quick, yes. then so you house hack and you use a cash flow dam, Smith maneuver, and exactly. And all of a sudden you're well you're on your way. Right. Doing really well. See how that tied well together with last episode? Exactly. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Uh yeah, I I don't know. Did you guys read you've all read the JL Collins Why Your House is a Terrible Investment? That's essay, yes, right? The comedic yeah. essay, right? It, well, it's comedic, but he makes a lot of good points there. And <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to, I'd love to read it because I think it's good. I've read it a few times. But for yeah. our listeners that have never heard of it, we'll have the link. Go and read it because he brings up things that a lot of people don't think about. Like you've chosen a house in a province, in a city, in a community, and it's not liquid. Right. That's your whole investment. That is an amazing amount of risk that you've put in <laughs> exactly. one street, one neighborhood, all your money's tied up in that. Yeah. That's that very risky. Absolutely. You know, so there's things we don't think about that. Yeah. And we all think the Canadian market's strong and we all right. hear the noise about housing bubbles and all yeah. the rest of that. And I won't go into that at all because I don't partake but I mean, in those discussions. But And if yeah. you're sitting on a $2 million house and you say, oh, well, I'm just going to downsize and I'll pull the $2 million out of the house, you're just, you still have zero diversification. That might be great that your net worth is $2 million, but anything happens to that asset and your entire plan is screwed. Yeah. You yeah. have one bad insurance statement that doesn't cover you for something that completely destroys your house. What do you do now? Yeah, exactly. Well, you sell the lot. 
The lot's still probably worth <laughs> the lot most of that. Probably, yeah, you're right. But still, it could take a huge chunk out of it. It could, and there could be a downturn, right? There could be a stock market downturn too. But absolutely, I like owning my house. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. So, what would it. what would you say the pluses are to just outright owning a single family dwelling that you live in? Do whatever I want. Yeah, that is a nice feature. That's not true, though, is it? You still uh, got to conform to city bylaws. Yeah, well, okay, <laughs> within reason, but <laughs> but like, I mean, I can. It, I am not beholden to another owner as a tenant. True. Right. So, and I mean, I've rented before, and most of the owners have been very good about if you want to paint a wall or you know make some minor changes or do different gardening things or whatever you want to do right they're they're pretty good as long as yeah. you're looking after the property right but it's yeah. just different when like i'm like i want to reconfigure where my laundry is downstairs in the basement and i want to redevelop the garage so it's a functional place for me to work on a car and have a recording studio you know right. it's like these are things i personally appreciate at well with it, home ownership and it's something you've chosen yeah. To spend money on because yeah. it's something you value. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, exactly. Right? I, yeah. I mean, I guess we attack this as the fastest way to buy home ownership or rent. Right? Yeah. And I, you're absolutely right. I agree with the accountant and you, the economist, about I could be generating an income from the house right. to speed it up. Right? Yeah. But I, as a couple, we decided we didn't want that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But we also have longer term plans to... Do some geo-arbitrage. Right. Right. I mean, another thing... That doesn't hinge on the decision, but... No, but another thing to think about here as well is you're still saving money. Well, that's a good you point. You didn't yeah. buy all of the house you could afford, and the only thing you're able to put aside is your mortgage payment. You're still investing. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where people really get themselves in trouble is, oh, I'm going to buy the most house I can possibly buy. And I'm going to barely be able to make my mortgage payment every, every month. Yeah. And there's mm -hmm. nothing left over. Like for that investing. could really, really slow down your path to five. Well, it could stop it in its tracks. Yeah. 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 If you got to wait 25 years to invest and you're not getting compound growth over that's that time not, period, that's bad. That's not re. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's not the re part of five. No, that's, that's not at all. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no answer to this debate, right? No, it's no, it's it's the debate. We're running into that old personal finances personal problem yeah. again. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. That's obvious. No. Do we want to talk about this? Is all for entertainment purposes? <laughs> <laughs> always handy to slip that in there. Yeah, that's always good. So you're not going to read any of JL Collins' quotes, aren't there? Isn't there one or two, the top? Well, I mean, I mean, there's some funny. Doesn't he say some funny stuff? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, I kind of like that he says, you know, it should not just, um, it should be not just an initial, but if we do it right, a relentlessly ongoing drain on the cash reserves of the owner. <laughs> What's that? What's he referring to? Do you know what pisses Fine me house. off about all of that stuff is these are all Americans who pay like 12 cents for their three bedroom, 2,500 square foot house. <laughs> yeah. Like you ever watch house hunters and they're like, oh yeah, uh. I want a five-bedroom, seven-bathroom house on at least half an acre, and my budget is $125,000. I, I could get a closet for that, yeah. maybe. Maybe? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Another thing, talking about path to fi and things like that, renting gives you that opportunity to be mobile. Yes. Right? And that's a fairly big advantage, depending on your lifestyle 
um, what your career is. Well, yeah, it gives you an earning advantage too. Yeah. Right? I mean, one of the arguments against home ownership is that it ties you to a location and yeah. it makes you harder to change companies if uh, an opportunity comes along. And if you do buy and you start moving around a bunch and you're buying frequently, well, you got land transfer tax, you got closing costs, you got realtor fees every time you buy and sell. Yeah. That that's a significant drain on your net worth. Sure is. Yeah. It, you know, if you're going to get into a property, be into it for the long term. It's the same as investing. Yeah. You don't yeah. buy an investment with the plan on getting out in six months. No. Because you don't know what the market's going to do. Well, don't buy a house with the plan of getting out in a year. Right. Because- there are a lot of heavy upfront costs. Well, and just think of them as your trading fees. Right. Right. Exactly. Like, and Except they, they're stiffer. <laughs> yeah. They are Way quite stiffer. a bit. Yeah. And most people, they say the average is seven years. And I'd even say that might even be on the outside now. Seven years is a fairly long time for people to move. Yeah. And I figure a lot of the time in terms of just like initial repairs from buying a property, closing costs and land transfer tax, and then factoring in if I were to sell, I'd have to pay commissions, that it takes two to three years of paying down the mortgage just to come out even on that if your house didn't increase in value. Right. Just for the break-even cost, so transaction costs. Just the break-even of the transaction. So if you're planning on being able to get out of this and the only way you can get out of it is if it goes up in value to make any money... I mean, that's again, speculation. that's speculation. That is yeah. speculation, so, right. yes. And I think that's a big part of the problem here that we haven't discussed yet is that the the fear of missing out yeah. ran the markets in Toronto and Vancouver where people were getting in because they were speculating. Well, the fear they were of like, we're going to miss out on the gains. We got to get in now. But the fear of missing out drives home ownership. Quite a bit, yeah. Right. A lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it does. You're right. But there's definitely a point where people want home ownership. Right. Right? Yes. We were at a point where we didn't want to rent anymore. Funny how if I could go back and do the math now, mm -hmm. I might have made a different choice. Right. Yeah. You know? You might not have. I might not have. I mean, you know, and you, this is the interesting thing. But you would have known how much you were paying. Yeah. Yeah. For your choice. And I did fairly good calculations back then. I wasn't on the path to FI at that point. Well, I guess I kind of was at the edge of it, but I didn't do enough of this calculation of right. the, all, the, all the other costs. I knew that all the other costs exist. Yeah. But I think it's hard for anybody to sit down and actually do that because, you know, you're just looking for the place you really want to live in. Right. Yeah. Is what that, it comes down to. Absolutely. So unfortunately, and it becomes that's, an that's emotional kind of, buy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You're buying above your needs, you're yeah. buying your wants. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And you got to understand how much that costs you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the whole key to the entire thing is you can argue any which way, but you got to look at what the actual costs are going to be to you and what your actual goals are. Right. And right. does this help you fit your goals? Goals don't just have to be monetary. Yeah. But it, does, it, does this fit your life's goals? Well, interesting that you say that too is because- I think people underestimate how much time is involved in home ownership. Absolutely. Right. You know, I mean, I do all my own maintenance. It's so almost like you have fine, to be but retired just <laughs> to, to have enough time. <laughs> yeah. Just to have enough time to maintain the place. Well, if you don't do, if you don't want to do anything yourself, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You just got to factor that into a higher maintenance cost, right? Way right. higher maintenance cost. But I mean, yeah. the majority of us that are mustachians are on the path to FI are probably going to take on some of the simpler tasks Absolutely. because we know how much it costs, right? But that means every weekend you're doing all your own yard work. You're 
you're keeping up with paint and trim and it's got to happen every yeah. year or two. You got to be doing some paint work around the house or the yard. Cause it, yeah. it doesn't last forever. You know, there's simple tasks that anybody can do. So are you going to pay somebody or are you going to do it? Well, if you live in a rental, you're not doing either. That's right. Yeah. How do you calculate that value when you well, have the time on the weekend to go hang out with your kids? Cause you live in a rental. Is that not, have some value over being that homeowner that's like, well, you know, this weekend mom's got to do all the painting while dad goes down and does something in the basement or whatever. I, you know, it well, happens, I'm, right? I'm pretty sure you just uh, enslave the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're spending time with them and doing the housework. And getting them to do the housework, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's actually an interesting point because there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because no. you're providing education, you that's are doing right. things together and yeah, yeah, okay, fine. You blew my whole argument. No, but well, no, it's a good <laughs> argument though. I mean, if, if you would prefer to be hiking with your kids rather than raking leaves with them, yeah, then it's a totally valid argument. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's something that I think it's interesting because people immediately assume it's like, oh, I'm going to have kids. So I want to have a house with a yard to have the kids. Right. It's great if you've prioritized your time and you're doing what you want to do and you, yeah. you value it. Right. But yeah. Speaking from having owned a home for the last six years, I mean, I try and. Like I said, I do it myself, but there's I, there's always something I'm like oh, I should really be doing that. Right? Oh, yeah. there, like always. Your job is never done once you own a house. No, there is always something you could be doing that you should be doing. Yeah, and I think if I was if I okay, say I was fi tomorrow, I don't know if I'd want to be doing all that stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. It's like because then it's like I'm financially financially independent, but I'm house employed. Yeah, right. <laughs> like it that's becomes funny. Job. I, I was just gonna say maybe you need to wait till your fire to buy a house because you'll have all this extra time, time to do it. But now you don't want the house when you're See, fire. Either. I'm I'm going the other way. It's like yeah. own the house, invest, pay it down, geo arbitrage, get that capital mm -hmm. out of there, and then become a renter. Well. Then, then there it's, you go. Then but, you travel but, and. But the math says you should have just been the renter the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Well, yeah. this is true. I don't know. I do take pride in the house. I know you may not think it, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's nice. Yeah. Well, I think we've made this clear as mud for everybody listening. It's about as yeah. It's about as clear as this beer we're drinking, which is pitch black. Yeah, That's you true. can't see through that. No, you no. cannot. You know, we're, we're down to one beer episodes and I'm getting near the bottom of my glass. Uh, I did mention Millennial Revolution, but you then cut me off quickly. So we will put a show notes in there because they did, they, they do their let's math this shit up section. And just how the accountant mentioned, they talked about if they bought a home, the result after uh, three years, uh, as opposed to, they, they ended up obviously not buying the home, but they yeah. did some comparisons. And I thought it was really interesting because they ran a bunch of the math, which they always do. They're good at that. And it, when it comes out, the, you know, their net profit of home ownership would have been 36,000, but equivalent market returns minus rent, blah, 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 was like 95,000. Yeah. So go ahead and check that article out. It's dated, it's dated now for sure, but I think the principles are there to understand what you brought up is do the math. The math wins. Yeah. It will not lie. Right. So if the math wins, then it's totally a, an emotional and it's a personal decision for you and your family. Right. That's yeah. We didn't solve anything, but we, at least we came to that realization that that those are your baselines for making the right decision for you. Right. As yeah. per pretty much everything we conclude, <laughs> yeah. do the math. We really just get a beer and talk, and talk ourselves in a circle. Doing the math. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if you want to, 
little bit deeper dive into this, uh, I read a book called The Wealthy Renter. That's what I was going to bring up. By Alex Avery. Yes. Yeah. It's it's not a long read, but it's it's definitely interesting and worth the couple days it'll take you to get through. Yeah. And this one came out three years ago, so it's fairly recent. Yeah. Which is nice. That's right. Right? Yeah. And yeah, I came across this uh, as a reference too, and I, I'd like to read it as well. Yeah. No, it, so. it was a good read. I, I don't... I read it probably two years ago, so I don't... Uh, did it influence you to continue renting, do you think? Or did oh, it just sort of justify why you were already doing it? I I think it probably influenced me a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely turned me towards the keep living in one silo and investing in real estate and in another in silo. Another. Yeah. So now, when would you say you sort of really got on board the path to FI? A couple of years ago? Yeah. Year and a half, like, you know. Yeah. But before that, were you banking more than your rent? Like, were you, was it a focus? Like, if you'd made the decision to rent, were yeah. you looking at it from a point of view of, I'm renting for $1,000 a month, therefore I'm going to be now saving another 500 because that's what the wealthy renter is supposed to do? Or is this, like, was it something that you had read or learned along the way? I th I thought this was a different episode, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, just no. as like I think the problem for a lot of people, the rent yeah, is they no. don't look at this equation until exactly. they think they're ready to buy. Yeah, yes. exactly. That's so, my point. I for a portion of my rental life, yeah, I definitely was just paying rent and living right. paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, exactly. Right. right? So yeah. yeah, I think that's maybe this topic's important for people that are renters. Right. So they can do the math yeah. and go, hey, it's okay as long as I'm taking other steps Putting to improve money, yeah. my net worth yeah. and yeah. assets, right? So For sure. Yeah, and real estate's not the only asset. No. Nope. There's a lot of different assets. And <laughs> what, what do you hear all the time? Well, real estate's safe. The, that's what they say. That's what that, they That's the say. story that's they'll the tell story. you. I don't know. You. I think all the gold bars buried in my backyard are safer, but you know, it's just me. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're probably cash flowing about as much as, well, your house is cash flowing, but they'd be cash flowing the same much as mine. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, no, like you said, when you own your house, it's all your investments in one, Yeah. what, 10 meter by 10 meter plot. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think, well, I won't go into this because we've talked about leverage and Smith Mover and things like that before. And, you know, there's other ways to utilize equity that you build sure. up over your lifetime in your house, but that brings on a whole new level of risk and things like that, right? So I, I don't want to be the person, well, unfortunately, not unfortunately, it's a good problem to have, but eventually when the mortgage is paid off, that's fantastic to have a non-cash flowing asset sitting there. But am I going to have enough, another, enough other assets right. to cash flow to be FI? Yeah. Good question. But that's where the Smith maneuver comes in. Yeah. So. yeah. All right, well, I guess we'll just tack this on to our... Kind unsolved mysteries? Our unsolved mysteries. <laughs> well, we've been digging into real estate a fair bit recently. Yeah, yeah we have. Smith, so. Smith Maneuver. Yeah, Smith and, Maneuver. And, and yeah, the meetup that uh, that we went to recently, the Economist yeah. and I. And yeah, well, it's it's an interesting asset class, and I think it's a super valuable one if you use it use properly. Use it wisely. Use yeah. it properly, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, well, we've got a, a renter, yeah. an owner, and a hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> an income-generating homeowner yes which is i agree with you completely if you can rent out a part of your home if you can cash flow from your primary resident residence and be the owner it's the ultimate win 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's the ultimate one. And you can do that nowadays just with a, remember that, oh, you guys weren't there. The guy I met that he just, Airbnb is a spare bedroom. A few times a month is enough to offset a lot of his mortgage. Really? Right? So, yeah. That's nice. I mean, that's another one. Yeah. You don't need a full-time roommate or you don't need yeah. to rent out half your house. Yeah. Right. hundred so, percent. Lots of options these days. Well, like the useful tool we shared as well, space I share, right? Yeah. You got an empty garage or you got storage space. You got a parking spot. Got a driveway. Did you get that parking spot rented yet? No, I haven't listened. How'd that it. conversation go? Yeah, the wife's not real keen on it. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Coming up next, getting your spouse on board with your crazy FI ideas. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, I shouldn't be leading that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. All right, well, we've gone uh, on long enough for a single beer episode. Persephone Brewing in lovely Gibson's, British Columbia. Yeah. Verdict? Yeah, well, I'm a fan of porters. So I think it's yeah, good. Yeah, I, I like that. I like it. it Kind of delicious. <laughs> there you Kinda go. Kind of delicious. Well, All right. Reach out on Facebook and uh, send us, uh, click that feedback link and send us a message on the wow, website. Wow, we almost completely dropped the ball on this. I know. You guys, I haven't made it yet. So no. by the time this airs, I hope it's out there. No, so I meant the, we, we've got a book giveaway, don't we? Yeah, for those of you that missed last episode, we sat down and interviewed Robinson Smith and learned all about the Smith Maneuver, and he was gracious enough to give us a signed copy of his book and access to his new online calculator at smithman.net. So we will be giving that away at the end of February. Uh, so go ahead and listen to that episode, and you'll find out how to enter the draw. All right, well, we'll catch you next time on the FI Garage. Till next time. Good night.